Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There, was also, there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, one of the things I'm often asked um, is how do you know? How do you know that the Bible is really accurate, is truly accurate? How do you know? In particular, you claim that the gospel records are an actual eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. But how do you know that that is true? How do you know that the gospels are indeed eyewitness accounts and not simply made-up stories from many years later, uh, as the Da Vinci Code, for example, tells us or tries to tell us? How do you know that? Well, there are, there are many, many reasons why we know. Uh, but one of the reasons uh, can be clearly seen within our text for this evening, within that passage that Simeon read to us uh, a few moments ago. You see, one of the hallmarks, one of the hallmarks, as it were, of genuine eyewitness accounts is the so-called irrelevant detail. Uh, you, yes, detail can always be found within fiction. Of course it can. That's true, isn't it? We know that. However, that fictional detail is deliberately added in order to move the story along or to convey something which the author needs us to know. Whereas eyewitness detail, well, eyewitnesses simply add detail for the very, very simple reason is that's what they remember. That's why they add it. Now, this can be seen within our text, a couple of times, in fact. Mark, you see, is accurately recording for us what the Apostle Peter remembers concerning this incident of a violent storm upon the Sea of Galilee. So, effectively, this is Peter's first-hand report of a most remarkable miracle. Notice, for example, the end of verse 36, if you have your Bibles open. Uh, I'll revert to quite a few of the verses from what was read out. Look at the end of verse 36. There were also other boats with him. Now that detail of the other boats doesn't really add to the story, does it? It doesn't. But it's exactly what Peter recalls. Because he was there. Or look at the beginning of verse 38. This is even more remarkable. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Again, we don't really need to know that Jesus was sleeping on a cushion, only that he was asleep. You see, it doesn't particularly add anything to the story, does it? Developing the characters or advancing the plot. No. But it does show us 
that this really is a first-hand account. It shows us that this is really it. This really is what Peter is remembering because he was there. In other words, this incredible story, and it is, isn't it, an absolutely breathtaking story of the calming of a violent storm. This story is both accurate and more to the point, it's true. Well, let's see what we can learn from uh, this story about Jesus, uh, from this, what we can learn about Jesus from this first-hand account <clears throat> of a remarkable miracle. Let's, as it were, uh, get into the boat uh, with these disciples, uh, with Jesus, and see what happens. We have three headings this evening. First, the power of Jesus. Second, the fear of the disciples. And third, the object of our faith. Well, let's begin with the first of those three headings, the power of Jesus. Now, now in some sense, what happened on the Sea of Galilee was quite normal. For the Sea of Galilee is well known uh, for sudden violent storms. You see, the Sea of Galilee lies actually 700 feet below sea level. Whereas just 30 miles north, just 30 miles north, there's a high mountain, Mount Hermon, rising over 9,000 feet. Uh, that's over twice the height of Ben Nevis, over 9,000 feet. Now, because of that, because of that huge difference, the cold air from those, from those, those high mountains, they continually... Uh, clash with the warm air coming up from the Sea of Galilee. And as a result, sudden violent storms, violent thunderstorms, and are, they're commonplace. They're run-of-the-mill in a sense. Certainly the fishermen of Jesus' day, in fact, just like Peter and the others, the fishermen of Jesus' day would have been used to, to, to such events as these storms happening on the Sea of Galilee. It was run-of-the-garden. It was the norm. Squalls and storms were... All part and parcel of being a professional fisherman upon the Sea of Galilee within Israel. However, however, this storm, as described for us in Matthew chapter 4, this storm is somewhat different, isn't it? Why do I say that? Well, because these professional fishermen who had presumably seen a storm of two on the Sea of Galilee, these professional fishermen were actually surprised by this storm's ferocity, and they are truly fearful. So this is more than just a run-of-the-mill storm, isn't it? We see this fear of the disciples uh, in verse 38. The disciples woke Jesus and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You can almost uh, feel, can't you, the, the abject fear within their voices. Therefore, this sudden squall must have been a particularly overwhelming and violent storm beyond the run of the mill. Now, at this point, uh, well, Jesus wakes up, doesn't he? And he responds to the disciples and also, in fact, to the storm. And he responds in a most remarkable way. Indeed, I think our familiarity with this story can actually make us miss 
just how astonishing what Jesus does is. It, it, it's so matter, the description is so matter-of-fact, isn't it? Uh, there's no drama. There's no ostentation or show. There's no performance. No, Jesus simply says, quiet, be still. It's truly astonishing. As Tim Keller puts it, Jesus talks to the storm just as you would talk to an unruly child. It's as simple as that. It's astonishing. And even more astonishing is what happens next. What do we read? Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Again, don't miss what is actually happening here. Yes, the winds cease. But in addition, the sea itself instantly becomes, becomes like glass, a dead calm. In other words, the sea would have been well, just like glass, no waves whatsoever, utterly, utterly still. And that simply doesn't happen, does it? Of course it doesn't. We live by the sea. And you see the waves coming in, but it doesn't go from waves coming in to suddenly calm, like glass, in a second. It doesn't happen, does it? For when the violent storms end, the waves still keep on surging and they keep on pounding and splashing for quite some time afterwards. Isn't that right? You know that. We've all seen that happen, haven't we? But not this time, no. Not this time. This time, miraculously, the sea itself is, it instantly becomes a dead calm, like glass, utterly still. The wind dies down and it was completely calm. Now that, that is real power, isn't it? And what Jesus is clearly demonstrating by this miracle is that he has absolute power over everything within this world. Jesus is the Lord of the storm. Jesus, in a sense, is power itself. For there's no, there's no one more powerful than Jesus, is there? So ask yourself, what does that mean for you here this evening? As a believer in Jesus Christ or not as a believer in Jesus Christ, what does that mean for you? What impact does that reality have, that reality of the utter power of Jesus, what impact does that have on your life today? What difference does it make to the storms of your life? What does it mean for you? Now, one reaction we can have is to consider that the storms of life are just what life is all about. That is what many, isn't it, think within this world today. The universe is just here by accident, they say. Just the result of the, the violent forces of nature and of nothing else. Therefore, when we die, that's it. And one day the sun itself will go out and there'll be nothing. And there'll be no one around to remember what you or I have done. In other words, whether you are good or bad, it makes no difference whatsoever. 
That's what many think in this world, isn't it? Really, that's what many believe. And what a depressing picture that is. No wonder there's so much disillusion and depression in the West today. But if Jesus is, as he is, the Lord of the storm, if Jesus is, as he is, the source of all power, then no matter whatever else happens within this world, Jesus is truly able to give meaning and satisfaction and purpose. Jesus is truly able to provide all that we need. The power of Jesus makes a vast difference, doesn't it? But let's move on to our second heading for this evening, the fear of the disciples. The fear of the disciples. Now, we've already touched upon this, haven't we? Just how fearful uh, the disciples were before the calming of the storm. Uh, for as I said earlier, the storm was more than the usual uh, run-of-the-mill storm. So these hardened, seen-it-all, professional fishermen, well, they were in fear for their lives, weren't they? This was different. Why? Because this sudden violent storm was about to overwhelm their boats. And drown them all. Verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. You can imagine the situation, can't you? These disciples just couldn't bail the water out fast enough. They'd seen nothing like it. Even their boat, which had been designed to, to, to work on the Sea of Galilee and to face storms, couldn't cope. They couldn't bail the water out fast enough. Indeed, that's precisely why they wake up Jesus, isn't it? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? They were in fear for their lives. Now, don't we often feel like that? No matter how well we plan things, no matter how much we, we understand life, no matter how much we think we're in control of our lives, things just get out of control, don't they? Everything seems to go wrong, pear-shaped. And our initial reaction, even if we're believers in Jesus Christ, our initial reaction, just like those disciples within this boat upon the Sea of Galilee, our initial reaction is to question God. Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care that I'm going through this crisis? How can you say that you love me if I'm going through what I'm going through now? Don't you care? However, notice Jesus' response to these fearful disciples. That is, after he's calmed the storm. Now, Jesus, he doesn't say to them, does he, I quite understand why you were afraid. I fully understand what you were feeling. I totally sympathize with what you're going through. No, Jesus doesn't say that, does he? No, he doesn't. Instead, Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You see, these disciples were afraid because they thought they were going to drown. Even worse than that, they were afraid because they thought that Jesus just didn't care. For if Jesus did care, he wouldn't let them drown, would he? That's their understanding, isn't it? But they've got it all wrong, haven't they? 
They should have known far, far better. They should have known that even though Jesus does allow his disciples to go through the storms of life, he still cares. And therefore there's never ever a reason to be afraid in the first place. Whatever happens. Now again, we can be just like that, can't we? We can have, just like those, those disciples, we can have weak faith. We can panic at the storms of life which seem to be overwhelming us. We can even wonder if really God really does love us, not realising that Jesus does allow those he loves to go through the violent storms of life. But we mustn't be like that, must we? No, we mustn't be like those disciples upon the Sea of Galilee. No, our faith must be strong, not weak. And we must also let that liberating truth sink deep down into the very depths of our beings. That because Jesus does care, there is never, ever, never, ever a reason for us to panic. Whatever happens. Faith, you see, trusts in God. Faith trusts that God is in control. Faith trusts that God cares for us, despite whatever else may happen to us. Now, that's the fear of the disciples before the calming of the storm. But notice, they're even more fearful, aren't they, afterwards? You notice that? Look at verse 30, 41, verse 41. They were terrified. This is after Jesus has calmed the storm. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, isn't that odd? They were more terrified, so it seems, by the calm than they were by the storm. So why is that? Well, the verse tells us why. Because even the wind and the waves obey Jesus. You see, the storm itself, well, it was bad enough, wasn't it? Way beyond the disciples' control and power. But Jesus is obviously even more powerful. And he's still there, isn't he? Standing right before their eyes. However, just like before the calming of the storm, they should have been, they shouldn't have been rather afraid afterwards either. Isn't that true? Yes, they're, 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 they're right. Of course they're right to be in total awe of Jesus, of his power, of his authority over nature itself. This is truly the Lord of the storm. This is truly the source of all power. But nevertheless, they shouldn't be terrified of him, should they? Why is that? What's the difference? Well, there's a massive difference, isn't there, between a violent storm on the one hand and Jesus Christ on the other. That's why, a massive difference. Of course, the storm may kill them. And I suppose ultimately nature will win, for we all one day will die, won't we, unless the Lord comes. But Jesus is more powerful than the storm. Jesus is more powerful 
than nature. Jesus is more powerful than drowning or fire or cancer or any other disaster which may befall us. Jesus is more powerful, isn't he? Yes, Jesus is not under our control, that's true. As the storm was not under the control of the disciples. Yes, Jesus may take us through the storms of within our lives, for which we don't understand why, that's true. But nevertheless, Jesus loves us. And that is the difference. It's a huge difference, isn't it? Jesus, you see, unlike the storm, is both powerful and loving. And what a difference that should make. Sometimes I think we don't truly appreciate that God understands things far better than we do. Therefore we complain at God, don't we? We question God. We think that God has got it all wrong. But how crazy is that sort of thinking? God is powerful enough to have reason for what he does that we just cannot understand in our finite fallen state. However, God is also loving enough so that we can rest in him and leave things with him. Even though we don't understand. We can leave things with him without fear. Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of, of Jim Elliot, the missionary who was martyred in Ecuador uh, 66 years ago in 1956. Amazing how long ago that is now. Well, Elizabeth Elliot, his wife, puts it like this, this same truth. Uh, listen to this. Listen carefully to this. God is God. And since he is God, he is worthy of my worship and my service. I will find rest nowhere else but in his will. And that will is necessarily, infinitely, immeasurably, unspeakably beyond my largest notion of what he is up to. You see it? So ask yourself, would you rather be in the hands of, a, of powerful, impersonal nature or in the hands of Jesus? who's more powerful than nature and who also loves you. Which would you have? But let's turn now to our third and final heading uh, for this evening. The object of our faith. You see this account by Mark of Peter's eyewitness report of the calming of the wind and the waves by Jesus. This account is all about faith. However, it's not actually about the strength of our faith. Now, that is an important aspect of it. It's rather, it's, it's, it's about the object of our faith. What we have or who we have faith in. Uh, so what's the difference between the strength of our faith and the object of our faith? Well, Tim uh, Keller uh, helpfully captures the difference uh, with this illustration. Imagine you're falling off a cliff, he writes. I'm sure that's not happened to any of you here, but try to imagine it nevertheless. Imagine you're falling off a cliff, and sticking out of the cliff is a branch that is strong enough to hold you, but you don't know how strong it is. 
As you fall, you have just enough time to grab that branch. How much faith do you have in the branch for it to save you? That's a good question, isn't it? How much faith do you have in the branch for it to save you? Must you be totally sure that it can save you? No, of course not. You only have to enough to have enough faith to grab the branch. That's because it's not the quality of your faith that saves you. It's the object of your faith. It doesn't matter how you feel about the branch. All that matters is the branch. And Jesus is the branch. Do you see the difference? It's not the quality of your faith that counts. It's who you have faith in. Now hold that thought in your minds and go back to this miracle upon the Sea of Galilee. For there's an amazing parallel, isn't there, in this miracle, well, between this miracle and what happened to the prophet Jonah back in the Old Testament. I'm sure you know the story of Jonah and the big fish that uh, gobbled him up. Well, there's a remarkable similarity between this miracle and Jonah there in the Old Testament. Can you see the similarity? Both Jesus and Jonah were in a boat. Both boats were overtaken by a sudden, violent storm. Both Jesus and Jonah were peacefully asleep in the boat. Both with Jesus and with Jonah, the others in the boat were fearful that they were going to die. As a result, both Jesus and Jonah were woken up with cries of panic. In both stories, God miraculously calmed the storm. And in both stories, the others in the boat were more terrified afterwards than before. Similarities are striking, aren't they? However, there's a big difference. Or is there? You see, with Jonah, well, with Jonah, it's Jonah himself, isn't it, who had to be thrown into the sea for the sailors to survive. It was either Jonah or it's the sailors. Choice is crystal clear, isn't it? So reluctantly, the sailors throw Jonah into the sea and they are saved. But with Jesus, this doesn't happen. Or does it? Well, what do I mean by that? Well, though Jesus calmed this particular storm upon the Sea of Galilee with a word, quiet, be still. Yet Jesus calmed the worst storm of all by willingly, just like Jonah in fact, by willingly giving himself to die upon a cross. For there upon Calvary's cross, Jesus bore the storm of God's wrath upon a cross. So it's either Jesus or it's ours, isn't it? Again, the choice is crystal clear. Jesus is to die for us and we're saved. Or we're to face the storm of God's eternal justice in our own meagre strength. And we're lost. So ask yourself. What is the object of your faith? What are you holding on to? 
How are you going to face the coming storm of God's justice upon your life? How are you going to place your faith, no matter how weak it is, are you going to place your faith in Jesus Christ, the only one who can calm the storm of God's wrath for you, or are you going to place your faith in your own goodness, or you're in your own religious observance, or whatever? Which is it? You see, what matters is not the strength of your faith, but the ability, or, or, but the ability of what you're holding on to, to see you through. And I can tell you, I can tell you quite categorically, your goodness and your religious observance is not good enough. It's a branch that will give way. Only Jesus can calm the storm of God's wrath for you. So you have to hold on to him, to him alone, and know acceptance and peace and joy and forgiveness with God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious Father, how we thank you for the amazing truths of your word concerning, particularly concerning your Son, our Saviour. He is Lord of all. He is Lord over the storm. He is Lord over death itself. We thank you that he is able to save us. We can put our faith in him. And whatever happens in this world, even though we face and we go through many, many storms in life, Yet we know, we can trust, and we can rely on the wonderful truth that Jesus is powerful and Jesus cares for us, his people. Help us truly to trust in him, in his name. Amen.